Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, which should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. And welcome to episode 283 of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. We're trying to build our YouTube channel to reach more people, so if you haven't subscribed to Cannabis Health Radio on YouTube, please do so and feel free to encourage your friends to do the same. And uh, also, if you'd like to subscribe to our Facebook channel. We have 27,000 followers on Facebook, but unfortunately, Facebook is partially blocking our followers from receiving our posts. And so if you can help out, uh, just like us or follow us on Facebook, we'd greatly appreciate it. And now to today's guest. She has five genomic disorders, which are diseases that result from the loss or gain of chromosomal DNA material, and that's just the start of her issues. And joining us from Ohio to tell her story is Carson Ness. Carson, are you in a relation to Elliot Ness? Yes, he was my great uncle. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you were being funny, didn't you? <laughs> and he supported the use of cannabis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You can tell we've chatted beforehand. <laughs> no, Carson, Corey and I were talking on the phone last night. We both agreed that we have not interviewed anyone who has had as many issues as you do. Now, tell us about your five genomic disorders. Oh, they are all letters and numbers, but I will, they are, the we first couldn't, one I'll We couldn't discuss. pronounce them. Yeah, it, it, well, they're, they're CYP2C19, which is um, an intermediate metabolizer. All of these reside in our livers. Um, I have a LS genotype 5 HTTLPR in the region of my SLC6A4 gene. I have okay. SLCO181. UGT1A1 and a monolithic malformation of the VKORC1 gene. And I guess you have to be a liver specialist to understand this all, but basically it means I have decreased intermediate, decreased function, intermediate metabolizing, and expelling of drugs. So just in your liver area, or it's that's all the, your your liver absorbs, um, t- processes, takes care of of your endocannabinoid system, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's where all your endocannabinoid. Uh, oh, I also have HHT hemoglobin, hereditary hemoglobin transients with artery vein malformations and had brain surgery in 918. So sometimes my words don't come out properly. But in your endoca- your endocannabinoids. Endocannabinoid <laughs> system, yeah. Yeah. It's basically all housed in your liver. 
And you're and if you keep that system maintained properly with the foods that we have out there now, a lot of that's killed off. And the medications they give us are that system, the EC e- e- system is is it's destroyed. So if we can increase the cannabis we get, we're going to bet that system in our liver will benefit. It's going to produce anti-inflammatory effects, antioxidants. It's going to prevent damage to the liver. Um, where all my genomic things, everything they do is take away from my, from my liver. I don't process vitamin K properly, so my blown bones and blood don't develop. Um, since I don't metabolize things, um, my liver enzymes are, are messed up. I can't do statins. I can't do codeine or any painkillers. I can't do, if I would need blood thinners, I couldn't, which because of my vitamin K, I don't, I could never take blood thinners. The interesting thing is 20% of the population has some form of genetic defect. It's just most people don't get tested. Mm. Um, I discovered all this because I was put uh, 18 years ago on medicine for depression and seizures, and it caused everything to get worse. Oh, so your uh, antidepressant med- antidepressant medications made you depressed? Yes, yes. So I have discovered that I can take no statins or no um, antidepressants. Um, so I just, it, I just want to say, if you, you told us, we were just kind of chatting before we uh, started recording this, that you're 68. So when you were 50, you discovered yes. all this. Now, how were mm-hmm. you for the first 50 years? Uh, <laughs> I was the first person in North America to have West Nile virus. And they say it wasn't here until 1999, but I had it in 1967. And I know that because I was also one of the first people to ever have a spinal tap. And that was before they knew you had to lay down for a couple hours after the spinal tap. So, (laughs) (laughs) uh, West Nile, Epson-Barr disease, uh, Lyme disease and Rocky Mountain spotted fever from a tick bite. Uh, just numerous things, and all this is due to these. Uh, the, my fighting them off um, is due to these genomic deep. My inability to fight these things off, or because of my genomic defects. You know, Lyme disease um, can be very, very serious. I had a friend who had uh, Lyme disease, and yeah. uh, I mean, he eventually, uh, I should say this, I won't mention his name, but uh, a month ago, he um, had doctor-assisted suicide because it was so oh, bad, yet, yet you have yeah. all these abnormalities, but you don't have, I'm assuming, you don't have Lyme disease anymore. I do. It, I have the antibodies. Well, I have the antibodies for it in my system. Oh, okay. I, they actually, when I got Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever, tested me three times and it came back negative each time. It wasn't until I went to the Cleveland Clinic and Functional Health and had all these 48 vials of blood drawn and your nose swabbed, your mouth swabbed, and all your bodily fluids extracted 
that I found out about this. Um, most people, I don't know why they didn't test me prior to this. I, I don't know why a lot of people that have drug interaction problems do not get have the suggestion by their doctor to be tested for genetic abnormalities. Because 10% of all drugs um, can be deadly in one of 15 people because of unknown genetic abnormalities. Mm -hmm. um, and through all these years, like you said, the Lyme disease, the fibromyalgia is so painful um, the arthritis, uh, they wanted to put me on medicine for that, which I would refuse to take anyhow, because all arthritis medicine does is it coats the bones and it does nothing to actually fill in those pores. Well, well studies in Europe and uh, Israel have shown that cannabis actually helps rebuild bones. And after I had my AVM surgery on two, I had gamma knife brain surgery on two artery vein malformations in my, my head, um, I used cannabis to help reduce the swelling and to help the repair, the healing of the damaged areas. And the doctors were very pleased. And uh, I told them that that's what I had done. And that is not something you really want to say in the United States to your doctor because they consider you a drug addict, even though they try to put you on all these other drugs. Carson, so, when, you, when you say you used cannabis, in what form did you use it? I did edibles and I did some vapes. Uh, uh, once, twice a day, I might do the, the plant material. Um, but vapes are easier when you're around a lot of people. I could just sneak outside a restaurant or someplace and hit it once or twice. And no one could tell the difference between that and a regular vape pen. Right. So, um, it, it, it took away the pain. And I also used a rub that... Uh, I created a couple years ago and have sent out to hundreds of people um, because it works so well. What was your it, doctor's response when you told him you were using cannabis? He was not happy. Now, the one, my neuro doctor was not happy. My other doctor, though, my general practitioner, um, has a, her, whose mother has osteoarthritis actually uses rub for her mother because she has been educated enough to know that it just absorbs into the CB1 layer of your skin and not the brain area. So she didn't worry about her mother getting high or having a change of, of uh, mental function by using a rub. And what about the rest of your doctors? Because you were telling me last night you have nine. I have nine. They are just, they just, they are totally against it here. In fact, I was supposed to be, before my surgery, I was, Cleveland Clinic was going to have a study on cannabis and AVMs in the brain. 
And because of the pharmaceutical funding, uh, they were the, the study was canceled. Yeah, it's always the, the way, funding, isn't it? Yep. But funding still came into Cleveland Clinic, and I understand on the bottom of the sub-basement, there is now a research lab where they are developing cannabis-based alternative medicines. So you can only get it if the government gives it to you. Mm-hmm. Carson, I want you want you to tell the story about, uh, you sent us uh, a few notes, uh, and I want you to tell the story about getting your toe removed a month ago. What was, what was the issue with your toe? Years ago, I had broken my toe, and they tell you always just, you know, tape your toe to the other one and it'll be fine. Well, with mine, it wasn't. So I had to go in and have another surgery, and then I had a medical malpractice where they took out the joint, which caused the toe to turn. It, after a number of years, it was finally the, to the point where the only solution for this poor toe was going to be to have the end of it after that joint amputated and removed, which we did five weeks ago. Um, and so, the surgery? Yeah, go ahead. The, the, the surgery went went fine, except that they failed to look at my medical records and see that I cannot take codeines or any kind of pain thing like that. So I woke up and had three days of muscle spasms in my leg. The only way to deal with that was to use cannabis. I used the rub on my legs, and I used... I used plant material along with vapes in between to take away the pain. And my doctor was absolutely amazed that I had my toe amputated and was able to get through it without any kind of pain prescription by using cannabis. Which toe was it? My little toe, which is the balancey one. Oh, and it was going, it was in the wrong direction. It was, it was turning and going underneath. It was turning sideways, and it was going underneath the toe beside it to make a hammer toe. Oh, my God. So we just decided the best thing would just be eliminate it. And I, 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 it hurt. For a couple weeks, well, it's not that pleasant right now, but I I am not, it was one of the best decisions I made. Um, And I don't know what I would have done if I hadn't had THC, CBD to to help me get rid of the pain. There, There would be nothing for me to take. If I have to have a major surgery again, I, I, I just don't know what I'll do. What I'll do. I, I, there's nothing I can take for... I haven't had rotator cup surgery, and the only thing I used was cannabis. Wow. How many surgeries have you had? Twelve. Twelve surgeries. Mm-hmm. So you've had twelve surgeries, and you're unable to take any pain medication. Right. Then we discovered this after my first surgery where I was out for five days because they had given me an oxycodone and I didn't know where I was. I guess I was really, really nasty to the nurses. I don't remember any of it. So, it's, And I went through withdrawals. from. I had 
ovarian cysts removed um, and, and and two ovaries removed. So that was extremely painful and not being able to take any pain medication isn't pleasant. So we just, uh, you just do what your body tells you to do. And in my case, I knew that if I used some cannabis that my pain would be relieved. I would also be able to sleep better and, and get some rest through the pain. And I wouldn't be sick hugging a toilet. I wouldn't be depressed. Um, I, I just. Is it fair to say that? To, is it fair to say, uh, Carson, that cannabis has given you a new lease on life? It has. Without cannabis, I think I would be like your friend, and and I'll probably talk to you about that later. Because I'd like to know, I, I, I said, if, if my, when my pain level gets too much, I just want to be put out. Wow. And, and, uh, and, and that, that, day's, that day's coming for me. Um, I was told a year ago that when the ne- within the next two to three years, I will have a broken back or a broken spine. Um, now, I'm not accepting that as fact because I am using cannabis in edible form, raw edible form, and as plant material, and cannabis has been shown to build bones. So, I'm counting on that. Yeah, I don't think, you should, also, I don't think you should view that as, as really a death sentence. Uh, I think you're doing the absolutely right thing, and cannabis does help build bones, and mm-hmm. you can once again prove the doctors wrong. Exactly. And it's anti-inflammatory, so it helps with the arthritis. It, it helps in so many ways. Yeah. It's, uh, the Mayo Clinic in Rochester um, in the 70s discovered that one in 300 children had a genomic defect. And they discovered this when they were treating children with leukemia. And the medicine that they gave them actually damaged the bone marrow instead of helping rebuild the bone marrow in one of 300 children. Carson, what's the most difficult thing for you to deal with? Is it the pain or the depression? The depression for me, because they started me out on clonazepam and, uh, some other drugs 18 years ago. Um, I've also lost, I lost my husband in 79 and my daughter in 97 through to, due to AVMs in the heart. Um, So I deal with that depression, but then I also have the depression that because they put me on clonazepam all that time ago, it created a depression cycle in my body. The uh, my brain just has not recovered from the the overuse of, of the uh, dopamines. Do you just sense Do you sense though that using cannabis has has improved over time? Yes, I was 
on a much higher dose and I am down to, I'm, I'm, I expect to be off of, of Xanax, which as soon as I take one and I take it for muscle twitches, um, and the, the, the depression, although it actually makes me more depressed after I take it, but I hope to be, and then about an hour later, it'll finally kick in because of my inability to metabolize, but I hope to be off of it within the next six months. I'm, I'm down to two milligrams of Xanax now, and if I could get off of this and just go all natural, I will be the happiest person on the planet. It's funny because when we were talking before we started recording, you sounded like you're a barrel of laughs. <laughs> we have to stay positive. You know, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. <laughs> she made us laugh like hell, didn't she, Corey? She did. She absolutely did. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Well, this, that's another thing. If, with these AVMs and artery vein, artery vein malformation, it's like there are. Let's see, picture of meatballs and a bowl of spaghetti. That is my brain. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone's really so, described it like that before. But <laughs> yeah, so you've got all of the spaghettis, your artery and veins going in there. And then the meatballs are my AVMs that, that could just like blow up on you at any time. You know, the reason so, I asked the question about the pain and depression is because uh, I had another friend who... Uh, uh, I worked with him uh, about 30 years ago, and uh, he suffered from depression. And then he started to go blind, and uh, he was almost completely blind uh, near the end. And he was asked uh, if he had a choice between blindness and depression, which would he choose? And he said, mm -hmm. the pain, uh, the blindness, pardon me. Blindness, yeah. Blindness, yeah. because depression and uh he jumped off uh, the balcony of his high-rise building and committed suicide because we'd go for coffee sometimes, and he'd say, guys, I've got to go. The demons are after me. And, yes. And um, he was somewhat reluctant to take cannabis, and when someone um, at one of the dispensaries talked to him, they gave him some CBD, which wasn't much of a help. But it was... Um, it was sad to see, and, uh, you know, people who have depression, uh, not being depressed, I really don't understand, well, I understand what they're going through, but uh, I've never experienced that, so uh, I really admire what you're doing. Oh, thank you very much. Yes, the people with severe depression look just like everybody else. We look like normal people, mm -hmm. and you can't tell the extent of the depression I only get about four hours sleep a night. Um, I, it's like I can't turn off my brain because of the depression. And I think of, well, into the, the way the world is today, we're thinking we have so much more stress than we had 20 years ago. Right. And uh, it's, it's just so hard to get away from. Yeah. Um, Carson, what's a, what's an average day look like for you as far as your cannabis use? Well, I get up in the morning and 
first thing I do is let my dogs off, start some decaf coffee because I can't have anything with caffeine, and I grab an edible. And uh, so by 9 o'clock in the morning, I have already consumed probably 25 milligrams of THC CBD. And that helps with the anxiety, then the depression, that helps with my uh, getting set for the day, for the functioning of the day. The rest of the day, uh, I can go do other things. Um, I, I am not a constant, like a chain smoker. Um, but I can tell when my body's running low because like your friend, I will be someplace and all of a sudden it kicks in that I just have to get out of there. And I have been known to leave a shopping cart behind because I just have to get out of there. Oh. Okay. And that's not fun. Um, I try to stay busy and I try to stay active and I try to stay functioning and sometimes it's really a challenge and I'm really pushing myself to do it. It's worse during the pandemic because I am enclosed in my own house and, and not going out and being as social as I am. Um, all the events that we would be having, uh, informative events on cannabis, have had to be postponed. Uh, so I, I, I want to be able to help people and explain to the doctors that, that cannabis is the future of our healthcare system. Have you ever gone a day without cannabis? Yes, I have when I was in the hospital and... It just made my depression worse. It, it, it just... It. So I, I can do it. I just don't like to do it because my depression becomes worse. And my sleep, quality of sleep is zilch if I don't have an edible before bed at night. And if you don't get good sleep, then uh, it's just—it's a snowball effect, isn't it? Exactly, it's a snowball running downhill. Yeah. Um, well, one of the problems I think with cannabis is, uh, well, there are a number of problems with it from a political standpoint. Is that most people think it is a recreational drug, and uh, whether it's recreational or medicinal. Uh, we all have an endocannabinoid system in our body to help yes. us. And, uh, you know, 80 years ago, 90 years ago, however long it was that cannabis was banned, it was in the pharmacopoeia in the United States. About uh, mm -hmm. nearly, what was it, one-third or one-half of all medications were cannabis-based? Yes, Yes, the drugstores used to have a big cannabis leaf on the front of the store right. to show that they were a pharmacy. That's right, yeah. And uh, we've gotten away from that, and somehow we mm -hmm. believe that because uh, modern medicine can uh, help us 
improve. Now, I'm not saying anything against modern medicine. It's just that uh, there are other ways that people would like to treat themselves. And I think that uh, if you want to treat your body in a different way, you should be allowed to do that. Yes. Look at all the, the... I can't think of how many times I've been to the doctor's office, and it seems to be on Mondays and Fridays, there's always a pharmaceutical rep sitting there waiting to show the doctor the latest and the greatest pill. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a very sad thing. Um, one in 15 people can't take 10% of the drugs out there. They're, they, and to have the test that I had can cost, the genomic testing can cost anywhere from 500 to $2,000. But only 20% of the doctors will even order these tests to see why your body is having such a negative reaction to the, to the drugs. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's a vicious circle. It certainly is. What, uh, over the next few years, once you get off uh, your medication, uh, how do you think you will, will feel? I think I, I'm going to th- feel I think a I want to ask you that. Uh, how, when I say, how do you think you feel physically, and how do you think you feel mentally? Mentally, I think I am going to be fantastic because... I feel that the Xanax is a temporary solution. It causes depression, then it stops the depression for an hour, and then the depression is on again. So it's, it's, it's like brushing your teeth. You constantly have to do it. <laughs> um, but with the, with the Xanax, uh, if I can get off of this and not have the depression effects of the Xanax and get it all out of my system, which with my, my genomic defects, I do not um, flush drugs out of my system. I don't eliminate the drugs properly, so they stay behind in my cells, my muscle cells. Once this can all get out of my body, I don't think I will have nearly the depression that I have now from being on the Xanax. Um, Physically, since I know that the cannabis helps with my bones and it helps with my arthritis and rheumatism, I, I, I will be fine. I've gotten through all these surgeries and all this pain stuff with, without their uh, coding and, and other stuff. I think I will be just fine without it, just using the, the rubs, the edibles, and some plant material. I will be a happy camper. Should we enter you in the next uh, marathon in Ohio? No, well, give me a couple of weeks to get this toe fixed, and then I'll be all set. <laughs> <laughs> what is it like walking without a little toe? Uh, it's not bad. It's, it's, I had the toenail removed in October thinking that that was going to fix it. Mm-hmm. And discovered that it didn't. So since from October until a month ago, I have been living with a pain level of like seven or eight um, when I'm when I'm walking just a short distance from the car to the store. So having the surgery has already I'm I'm 
every now and again I get an ouchie, yeah. but I am no longer in the pain that I was prior to having the surgery. Um, Jeez, you know, Carson, I, Carson, uh, I'm just, I'm sitting here thinking the pain you must be in with your toe, your knees, uh, and uh, all of the issues that you're having to deal with. I mean, uh, I'm surprised you're here talking to us. I was told I have a very high pain threshold. No kidding. Yeah, no kidding is right. <laughs> Boy. Um, but I guess when you're born this way and you're used to living this way, you kind of become accustomed to how your body feels. Yeah, you just adapt to it, don't you? You sure do. Um, and the incredible thing is that there are so few people that have had this testing that I've had. And every year there are over 700,000 people in the United States that have to go to the hospital for some kind of bad drug interaction. Mm-hmm. And if more people could be tested, then we might end some of the depression and some of the other problems. If we could educate our doctors about cannabis use for pain, for depression, for other functions, um, that would be a huge improvement. Here, here. Yeah, no, we totally agree with you. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you'd like to say in conclusion, Carson? I just encourage everybody, if you are um, having problems with medications that your doctors have prescribed to go to a functional health clinic at your hospital or someplace and get some genomic testing done and see if you have one of the abnormal genes that I have and uh, get feeling better. Everybody needs to be feeling better. So... Stay away from the pharma drugs, keep doing cannabis, and let's get healthy and live a long time. And we'll, uh, we'll enter you in a half marathon to start. How's that? <laughs> Okie doke. Oh, another clue that I had this abnormality was, you know, when, when you're in college, everybody wants to have the glass of wine, the beer, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was always able to take two swallows and then I would develop a headache. And it was because of my spaghetti brain. <laughs> it did not like the alcohol. Those artery veins, it thins the blood too much and, and it could burst. So all you've had in your life are two swallows of alcohol. Yep. Yes. And you can't drink caffeinated coffee. Nope. No caffeinated coffee. No pops. Nothing like that. Nothing with caffeine. So you drink a lot of decaf and water? Yes, lots and lots of water. Good for you. Yeah, good. Yeah. Corey's made yep. up for the wine. Yeah, I'm, I'll handle the wine part, no problem. <laughs> good. Uh, next time I see you, I'll bring you a bottle because <laughs> I would love to. <laughs> I get such enjoyment out of watching other people enjoy it. <laughs> Carson, well, Carson you're, you're a breath of fresh air, let me tell you. You well, are. thank you so much. It's been a, such a pleasure talking with you both today. Yeah, you're, you're, you're a lot of fun. We appreciate it. Thank you so much.
Thanks, Carson. Thank you, Carson. And we thank you, dear listeners, for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. And if you'd like to help us out, if you'd like to share Cannabis Health Radio to others who may not know about us, we'd greatly appreciate it. And if you'd like to contribute to Cannabis Health Radio, you can do so. You can make a monthly donation of as little as $5 a month on Patreon. And if you'd like to make a one-time donation, which we greatly appreciate, you can do so on Cannabis Health Radio. This little pop-up comes up when you're on Cannabis Health Radio, and it, uh, it tells you where to go to do that. We very much appreciate it. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, host of Casually Baked the Podcast. If you're curious to explore the highly responsible side of cannabis, farming, and legalization, I'm here to help lighten the stigma and build your can of confidence. Download episodes now of Casually Baked the Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And journey with me through the evolving cannabis culture and discover how and why people like you are adding cannabis to their wellness toolkit. It's time to get casually baked.